Remember the good old days before Microsoft Word had autosave? You'd type up some important document and then your computer would freeze and you'd lose hours of work just because you forgot to hit save? Well, that's what it's like going online without ExpressVPN. Every time you're connected to an unencrypted network, whether it's in an airport, a hotel, a cafe, or anywhere, your online data is not secure. Any person on that same network who knows what they're doing can gain access to your personal data. Bank logins, credit card details, passwords, all the stuff you don't want people seeing. Unfortunately, hacking has become much easier than it used to be. People don't even have to be exceptionally skilled to do it, and there's a lot of money to be made by selling your information on the dark web. ExpressVPN stops hackers from stealing your data by creating a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. It's incredibly easy to use. Once the app is running, you literally click one button to get protected. And it works on your phone, laptop, tablet, and more, so you can stay protected on the go. I've been using ExpressVPN for a little while now, and I can rest easy knowing my info is safe and secure. I've heard horror stories of people who've been hacked, and it sounds like a massive pain to try to get any resolution in the aftermath, so I am not interested in finding out what that process is like. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slashfilm, and you can get an extra three months free. expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Tuesday, November 5th, 2019. On today's episode, we're going to talk about the latest film and TV news. This is Slash Film Editor-in-Chief Peter Serretta, and joining me on today's podcast is Slash Film Senior Writer Ben Pearson. Hey, what's going on? And writer Chris Evangelista. Hello, folks. Let's talk about this weekend. Uh, what came out this weekend was the new Terminator movie, Terminator Dark Fate, and uh, it did not do too well. Does this mean the end of the franchise, Chris? What do we know? Yes. Terminator Dark Fate suffered a dark fate at the box office. Uh... <laughs> HT actually used, it said it was Judgment Day. Uh, I know. I'm not going to. I'm not going to steal her joke. I'll make my own joke. Thank you very much. Yeah. Um, but, but I know p- people that listen to this podcast love HT's puns, so I had, yes. to, I had to relay it to them. Yeah, understandable. Um, yeah, so Terminator Dark Fate was you know, hyped up as this big return for James Cameron. He was producing it, and it's the first time he's been involved with a Terminator movie since Terminator 2. Linda Hamilton was back. It was supposed to be a big deal, and the early buzz was actually kind of positive, but... Uh, turns out people weren't that interested. And it's weird because a few weeks ago, there was an early box office analysis suggesting that the film was actually headed to a really good opening and it might actually have the biggest opening of a Terminator film to date. But it turns out that uh, analysis was very premature because um, based on what the film earned over the weekend, um, 29 million domestically and 102 million overseas, it could end up costing the studio over a hundred million dollars. So it's wow. It's pretty much a, a a bomb, I guess you could say. And it's a shame because I have heard from a lot of people that it's actually, you know, the best Terminator since Terminator Two, which really isn't saying that much. But, uh, but, but but I feel like the last two Terminator films were the best Terminator since Terminator Two. Uh, I, don't, just, I wouldn't just by, say just by technicality, because I don't think yeah. Terminator Three is any good. I think Terminator 3 is okay. It has its moments, but... Uh, I will I say think... this. Terminator Dark Fate is a decent movie. I don't, I'm don't. i not going to say a good movie, but I, I think it's worth watching. But my, my question to you, Chris, because the, I, neither of you have seen this movie, right? Correct. Correct. Yeah, no. Um, so why do you think this movie did so bad? Is it 
that people have been burned too many times with these Terminator sequels that were not so well made? Or is it that the marketing this for this film, I, like when I saw this film, I was shocked at how much better it was than the marketing. And that's not to say it was a great movie, but the marketing for the movie looks so bland. I think it's a, it's a combo of those things. I think one thing is the law of diminishing returns. You know, every Terminator sequel since Terminator two has been progressively worse and people are probably just sick of that. And yeah, the marketing for this, you know, again, I haven't seen it, so I don't know how that compares, but I do know the trailers were terrible. Like that very first trailer they cut, which had the cover of that Bjork song was just so like abysmal. I was like, what is this? This looks awful. And uh, apparently other people thought that too, because they avoided the movie. Ben, why did you not see this? Uh, I have been burned too many times by Terminator (laughs) movies. I I just feel like the, the, there's no juice left in it. And, and again, I, I, you know, like Chris, I've heard that this movie actually has something to contribute. So maybe if I end up watching this on a plane one day or something, I'll take that back. But based on, you know, previous experience and, and what I've seen thus far, it just sort of seems like this never should have been the franchise that it became. It should have been, you know, two movies and out. But um, yeah, I, I feel like we need to come with up with a new scale for how to like recommend movies like you know there's the plane movie there's the netflix movie there's the movie that you must see in the theater opening weekend you know what i mean like i feel like mm-hmm. we need to come with the uh, the broad range of of those um my favorite is the laundry movie the movie you have on <laughs> while doing laundry which is usually like every original <laughs> netflix movie is a laundry movie yeah well I'll, I'll tell you a movie that will be an opening weekend movie for me is spider-man into the spider-verse sequel which we don't have a title for but we do have a release date and we do know who is back. Ben, tell us about it. Yeah, so Sony Pictures Animation uh, started teasing something on Twitter last week that something was up, our spidey sense is tingling, and they they shared a GIF from Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, and uh, I think it was the next day they revealed that April 8th, 2022 is when we're going to see this untitled uh, re-entry into the Spider-Verse. So um, we know that uh, David Callahan, or early reports anyway, say that, said that uh, David Callahan, who wrote Wonder Woman 1984 and the first Expendables movie, was on board to write the screenplay, and uh, Avatar The Last Airbender's Joaquim Dos Santos is set to direct this time. Um, we know that Phil Lord and Chris Miller are coming back as producers. So uh, yeah, I think that's that's basically the extent of it. We can speculate about what exactly the plot's going to be. I think there were some early rumors that it might involve Miles Morales and Gwen Stacy having like a budding romance. But, um, you know, that, that I think that was before they brought on this other screenwriter to uh, to sort of tackle the screenplay. So it, it, some of the specifics are still, you know, up for grabs. But um, we do know it's coming and you can go ahead and circle April 8th, 2022 on your calendars. But Ben, Miles and Gwen are in different universes. How could that possibly happen? uh it's a spider verse peter they can traverse the spider verse i don't know (laughs) yeah what what was the title that jacob recommended in the slack channel i think he just said spider-man return to the spider verse return to the spider verse uh yeah i I think that could be it i don't know i'm wondering how they're gonna like lord and miller they're back and i feel like they usually come up with some very clever concepts and i i I feel like when, when we speculate about the future of the spider verse we're thinking more on a linear, like like a traditional 
uh, uh, viewpoint. I feel like they usually come up with something way more clever than than the the typical. So I'm I'm very curious to see what it's going to be. Um, and we do know that there's some other uh, you know TV shows and other movies that might also be in development. Uh, but it is crazy that we're going to get the entirety of the Marvel Cinematic Universe Phase Four before we get a new Spider Verse movie. Is that true? Well, yeah, <laughs> that is kind of. There'll nuts. actually be a a year after the end of Phase Four before we get a Spider Verse movie. <laughs> so. I mean, I guess to be fair, animation does traditionally take way longer, so I guess that has something to do with it. But yeah, yeah. I guess that also speaks to just the incredible um, glut of content that is, that takes up Phase Four too. Yeah, and uh, another sequel that is on the horizon that has been announced is Fantastic Beasts Three because people are so excited for more of the Wizarding World. I'm being sarcastic here. Uh, Chris, tell us about it. Yes. So Fantastic Beasts 3 was put on hold for a little while. Now it's it appears to be back on track. Um, it's slated for a spring 2020 release date. Um, no, sorry. That's the production date. Production date is spring 2020, and then it's headed towards a November 12th, 2021 release date. Uh, we also know that this, this sequel is going to be set in Brazil. Um, every Fantastic Beasts film jumps to a different location the first one was america the second one was i didn't was it france or england one of those things anyone know help me out here i think it was paris but i didn't see either one either (laughs) it was one of those places and now this one's going to brazil um also interestingly uh the first two films were were written just by jk rowling but this one she's still writing it but they've also brought in steve cloves to co-write with her so I mean, you know, this is reading between the lines, but that to me suggests <laughs> they're they're trying to course correct because while some people liked the first one, it seemed like everyone, even like diehard Harry Potter fans, did not care for the crimes of Grindelwald or whatever it was called. So I think they're they're trying to sort of fix what has gone wrong here. Yeah, the second one is garbage. Uh my girlfriend Kitra, who loves the Harry Potter movies and the books, and actually really liked the first one, like left the the theater fuming angry with the, with the second one so i'm wondering if, if there's any way for them to save this franchise and like i don't know going to brazil doesn't seem like the answer to me like it seems like if, if you want to save this franchise let, let's go to hogwarts i know they did that briefly in that that last film i feel like that was the best part of that last film people want hogwarts <laughs> honestly i'm surprised they have yet to just bite the bullet and adapt the cursed child into a movie because i feel like that will draw a crowd they can even bring back the original cast now because they're old enough to play the older versions like i feel like if this film doesn't do well they're just gonna finally do that and turn the cursed child into a movie i think we're just a couple of years away from that i think they're gonna wait for because that that production is expanding its run it's uh, uh, around the world and i think they want to make some money there before they adapt it into a movie but yeah, I, I think we're a couple years away from that, and I think we're actually probably a couple years until we see on HBO Max, uh, you know, an adaptation of the whole Harry Potter movie or you know book series as a TV series. I I, I think that's we're only a few years away from that. I feel like that there's too too much money to be made to you know adapt those big books into long long ass. Uh, seasons of tv so really even though they like couldn't they just like air the movies like i mean well, well really they can air gonna... their movies but like if they created a new harry potter chris where right. like you got a season of television to 
live in Hogwarts. Yeah, like I feel like a lot, if you talk to people that are, have you read the Harry Potter books? No, I, I've never read them. Especially when you get further along, I think after you get to like book three, like there's a ton of stuff that have been cut that is cut out of those books uh, that it could make for you know a longer form storytelling in television. Uh, ben, have you read the books? I have not. I have all of them. My wife has read all of them. I'm am going to read them one day. I just not have I have not gotten to them yet. By the way, if if you have a Harry Potter fan in your you know family or your friendship circle, they're releasing all these Harry Potter books with these illustrated editions, which are like these big, almost coffee table sized books, and they have like you know they're not like full of illustrate like there's illustrations every few pages or whatever but they're really well done editions and uh you can get them for cheap uh on amazon so i highly recommend checking those out uh okay let's move on from fantastic beast 3 to ant-man 3 uh what do we know about this then we know that peyton reed is coming back he was the guy who directed both ant-man and ant-man and the wasp and he has officially signed on to direct Ant-Man 3. So we don't know much about like the plot or any of that. We know that Paul Rudd and Evangeline Lilly are coming back. We know that Michael Douglas is coming back. Um, we don't know the title yet. So we know that it's supposed to start filming, uh, I think, in early 2021 for a likely release in 2022. And I I guess that means it's going to be in phase five of the MCU, because as you mentioned, Peter, we already know what phase four is supposed to be, or at least all of the projects that they've confirmed to be in phase four. I guess they could extend it, but it seems like this is going to be Ant-Man 3 is going to be joining things like Blade starring Mahershala Ali and you know Black Panther 2 and Captain Marvel 2 and Guardians Volume 3 maybe even a new X-Men movie a new Fantastic 4 movie all of those kinds of things are down the line a little bit you know conceivably in uh, the not yet officially announced phase 5 yeah i i'm like what, what do you think Ant-Man 3 could be about like what is the future of the, the Ant-Man series um, it's interesting because I, I think one of your friends actually was speculating that it, it might be something where it leads into a Young Avengers movie or, you know, sets up another team in some way. Um, we know that Scott Lang's daughter, Cassie, grew up while he was trapped in the quantum realm. And with Kate Bishop, you know, being trained to become the new Hawkeye in the Disney Plus show, it seems like a new Ant-Man movie might be a good opportunity especially if it comes a little bit later in phase five to sort of give those younger characters a boost since uh, Cassie has such a direct tie to Scott Lang and, and those heroes. So maybe, you know, Scott and Hope get in too far over their heads and like the younger class has to, you know, come save the day or something. And it's more of a, an yeah. even split between the two groups and, and sort of leads into them forming this new Avengers team or something. I don't know. That's just pure speculation on, on our part. So is this like a national treasures two of, uh, of Marvel movies where it's like three generations of Lang? <laughs> sure. Yeah. I have not seen national treasure Two okay. book of secrets in a long, long time, <laughs> but uh, yeah. Anybody who's going to reference that one in 2019. Yeah. yeah that's a, that's a deep cut, Peter. Do, do we know that this is hitting theaters? Like, could this possibly be for the Disney plus streaming service? 
Um, well, that seems unlikely because I think there's a Disney has already claimed a July 29th, 2022 release yeah. date for an untitled Marvel movie. And it seems like since the first two Ant-Man movies were also released in July, that's probably what's going to happen here. I guess theoretically, though, moving forward, not all of the Marvel movies have to be theatrical, although they have all done so well and performed so well at the box office that it seems like they would be leaving money on the table for them to just drop it onto Disney Plus, you know? Yeah, no, totally. Okay, speaking of Disney Plus, uh, we when this service was announced, they said that there was going to be no ads whatsoever, but it turns out Disney Plus will have some ads from stars uh, due to some kind of awkward relationship. Uh, ben, what do we know? Yeah, so basically Disney had been selling off the rights to a lot of their movies for streaming deals and stuff like that to make money. This is before uh, Disney plus, you know, sort of came into being and a lot of those deals are still existing. So, you know, like the last Jedi, for example, is streaming on Netflix and it won't be on uh, Disney plus on day one. But I think when that deal expires at the end of the year, it's supposed to be able to sort of shift over and join the other star Wars movies on Disney plus. But speaking of star Wars, Star Wars The Force Awakens was a movie that Disney made a deal with uh, stars where stars could have the rights to the streaming rights to that film. But now that Disney Plus is coming back around, Disney has realized, oh, we actually want that back. And so I guess because of that streaming uh, relationship we were talking about, that sort of back and forth tenuous deal that they have, they've worked out like a sub deal where the movie will still be available on stars as far as I can tell. But it will also be on Disney Plus because Disney Plus is going to basically put ads on Disney Plus and ESPN Plus for stars, which is strange because Disney Plus was supposed to be this ad free service and technically these ads are not going to be within the content on the app it's more going to show up like on the login page and maybe in the the android app i think it says and on internet browser pages accessing the streaming services but uh you're not going to see any of those ads like within the content of the the shows or movies that you're watching on disney plus but um that's probably not something that Disney Plus is thrilled about, you know, like a yeah. advertising for a rival company, like right on their big launch day. But if it gets them the rights to have Star Wars The Force Awakens, I guess they feel like it's worth it right now. Yeah, and I think there were some other movies, but we don't have the names of those movies. But if you look at Stars right now, they do have Force Awakens. They do have like a, a couple of the Disney animated and Pixar movies. So uh, I'm sure that Disney got something out of out of this uh, partnership. But uh, mm. let's talk about um, HBO Max or HBO rather, because at the HBO Max uh, presentation, they announced that they were making House of the Dragon. And it's going to be for HBO and George R.R. R. Martin is going to be part of it. But apparently the author is promising not to write for the show until The Winds of Winter is finished. Chris, tell us about it. Right. So The Winds of Winter is the next song of ice and fire book that has you know, been delayed for a very, very long time. And some people theorize that George R.R. R. Martin will never even finish it, but he might. And um, he's, he wrote on his blog regarding, you know, the announcement that he's involved with this new show, uh, quote, let me make this perfectly clear. I am not taking on any scripts until I have finished and delivered Winds of Winter. Winter is still coming and Winds remains my priority, priority as much as I'd love to write an episode of House. 
and he means the show House of the Dragon, not the show House about the root doctor. <laughs> that would be I, I would I would watch an episode of House uh, written by George R. R. <laughs> yes, especially since that show has been off the air for like five years. He just comes back to write one episode. <laughs> yeah, that would that would be so strange, and it would have to have nudity, right? I guess, yeah, and lots of death and. So, do we actually believe him? Because George R. R. Martin, I think, has lied in the past. Uh, like, is he actually going to finish this before writing House of the Dragon? I would say no. I mean, I'm I'm not invested because I I don't read these books. I didn't even like the Game of Thrones show that much. But I feel like George R. R. Martin. You know, he spent decades writing these books. And, you know, not they, you know, they were hits, but they weren't on the same cultural level as the HBO show. And then the HBO show came along. It turned Game of Thrones into this huge phenomenon. And I can imagine like that sort of like sapped his energy for the book a little bit. I know like if I were writing a book series, and I had yet to finish the last book and someone else finished the story before me, like a show, I'd be like, eh. Like, what's the point? I'm, it's like, it's already, it's a, no one's going to care. And maybe he's just like lost interest. That's how I see it. But maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he's just the slowest writer on earth. See, I feel like I would feel that way if the finale of Game of Thrones was was accepted like the finale of Breaking Bad. But uh, it seems like the vast majority of people were not happy with the final season. So I feel like anything he produces is going to be looked at as a step up. And he's going to be the savior and the creator. And, do you know what I mean? Like, I feel like that's something that he would want to aspire to. Uh, that's certainly possible. And and Peter, I don't mean to like, uh, well, actually you, but I think in the aftermath of Game of Thrones, we actually ran a an article on the site about how there was this huge poll done of like thousands of people or something. And it turns out that most people were actually like, okay with the... Uh, Game of Thrones finale, and it was just a, a very vocal minority that was mm. being really, really loud about their dis dislike of it. So uh, I don't know if that's a entirely fair categorization or, or kind of like uh, kind of like the Last Jedi, right? Kind of like yeah, the Last Jedi. So. Yeah. <laughs> well, incidentally, almost everybody I know was not happy with uh, that last season, so or had problems with that last season. So I don't know. Uh, okay. Yes, but my, my my circle of of people I follow on Twitter and stuff probably does not re is not reflective of the world at large. I will admit that, unlike the president of the United States. Um, but let's move on. Let's talk about PlayStation View. This is a streaming service that is going to be shutting down early next year. Chris, what do we know? Yes, um, this is a service I didn't even know existed because I just I did not have it. But PlayStation View. Um, is shutting down on January 30th, 2020. Uh, they released a whole statement saying why it boils down to, they just didn't, didn't have as many users as they were hoping. And also they want to just get back to focusing on games only. Uh, so, you know, if you use this, you have a few more weeks and then it's over. You know, who uses this Chris? Who? Me. Oh no. <laughs> yes. Uh, I will tell you this. I, you know, Two years ago, I, I tried to cut the cord, get rid of my cable, um, and you know find a streaming service to you know to to accommodate the that cable need because I still want to watch like things like AMC and Bravo and I watch Survivor on CBS and uh, you know Fool Us on CW you know all those like 
stupid shows. And uh, there's some of those shows that I want to watch the night that they air, <laughs> which seems to be a hard thing to get. Like, I could buy, you know, Survivor uh, from iTunes and watch it the night after, but who watches a sporting event or a competition the night after? Like, the, the results are out there. People are talking about it. You need to watch it when it airs. Uh, so... I, I I came I, I tried all the streaming services and the one I liked the most was PlayStation View. It was the one that had the most uh, channels to offer, had the best uh, the most advanced UI, and uh, the other players in the space like are, are very very clunky. Like uh, Directv now, which I guess is now AT and T and YouTube TV and Sling. There's like all like sorts of like issues that I've had with every single one of them. So now I got to find a new streaming service for now. I've switched to YouTube TV just because it's, it works, but it, it bothers me because some of the channels on YouTube TV, like uh, CBS, which I watched survivor on, um, when you DVR something, it instantly becomes, uh, the video on demand version of that. And what that means is I can't skip through the advertisements, which I'm paying for something to skip through the advertisements. It's, it's so frustrating. Anyways, if, if any readers out there have any suggestions for me and the best, uh, you know, non-cable cable streaming service, uh, please write me, Peter, at social.com. I'd like to hear your your thoughts and recommendations on uh, how I can survive the, the PlayStation View apocalypse. So, um, okay, let's talk about Joker. We're we're talking a lot about sequels on this podcast. And Joker, there's been talk of a possible sequel. I mean, this is, what, the biggest R-rated movie of all time or something like that. And Mm -hmm. uh, we've even had Joaquin Phoenix. We've talked about him entertaining the idea of a sequel. And it seems like it's more, more than him entertaining an idea of a sequel. It seems like he wants a sequel. Ben, tell us about it. Yeah, so essentially he said like two or three weeks into shooting, way before they knew that this movie was going to be the mega hit at the box office that it ended up being, he said they talked about potential sequels. I'm going to quote from him. He said, I was like, Todd, can you start working on a sequel? There's way too much to explore. It was kind of in jest, but not really. And he's talking about Todd Phillips there, the, the, I think, co-writer and director of this movie. Um, But I, I guess he wasn't content to just stop there with that sort of suggestion and leave that hanging. He said that he and the onset photographer took photos and inserted of him as Arthur Fleck as the Joker and inserted them into classic movie posters so his his quote is i basically said you could take this character and put him in any movie so i did a photo shoot with the onset photographer and we made posters where i photoshopped joker into 10 classic movies rosemary's baby raging bull yentl if you see it you're like yeah i'd watch that movie yentl with joker that would be amazing so I've never seen Yentl, but I've seen the trailer. I've seen several clips from it. And this is a a 1983 Barbara Streisand romance about a woman who dresses like a man in order to get an education in the Jewish faith. So like dropping the Joker into that is a a totally insane idea that I think actually probably would be pretty amazing. Um, it, It seems to me like he's just really using these movies as, uh, touch points in the same way that, Things like Taxi Driver and The King of Comedy were used as as creative jumping off points for, you know, the style of the first Joker movie. But uh, 
Yeah, I, I mean, the idea that, that Joaquin Phoenix, I just love picturing him sitting there and, like, doing the photoshopping himself, like, you know, cutting out Joker's hair <laughs> and making sure that he fits behind Barbara Streisand's face on the Yentl poster. It's just such an amusing image to me. See, see I I don't think he did that, Ben. I think what he did is he went to the onset photographer's like, come on, take some photos of me. Can you photoshop, photoshop these into posters? And he gave that guy all the work. So instead of, like, doing the onset photography, he was, like, stuck you know, in a trailer behind a computer, like photoshopping <laughs> stuff, because uh, Walking Phoenix had an insane idea that no one will ever see these posters other than, you know, uh, Todd Phillips. But I, I'm wondering what you guys think, though, because I know Chris, you've been very vocal that you don't really, we don't need a Joker sequel. Uh, but if they could do a Joker sequel in the way that, um, you know, Terminator and Terminator Two. We were talking about Terminator earlier. Like that became kind of a different movie, a different genre. Uh, if they could do that with Joker, is that something you'd be interested in? Would you be interested in Arthur Fleck in Rosemary's Baby? No, I would like to see these posters, but I would not like to see the movie. I hope they just release the posters. That's what I want. <laughs> ben, how about you? Um. <laughs> The other quote that he said was, uh, we've only talked about the fact that if we ever did a sequel, and I'm not saying we are because right now we're not, it couldn't just be this wild and crazy movie about the clown prince of crime. That just doesn't interest us. It would have to have some thematic resonance in a similar way that this does. And the, the problem with that for me is that I, with a Joker movie, I want to see a movie, I want to see a wild and crazy movie about the clown prince of crime. That's what I'm signing up for with a Joker movie. So I, I just found the experience of watching Joker to be totally miserable, and I did not enjoy spending a single second of my life with Arthur Fleck, that character. So unless that character evolves drastically and becomes this, this person who, who can go toe-to-toe -to -toe with Batman then I just don't have any personal interest in spending any more time with that character, regardless of genre. But I, I'm sure that's just me. And uh, I'm sure a lot of people, you know, based on the, the freaking box office totals of this movie, a lot of people probably would be interested in following that character wherever. Wait, wait, I got it. Okay. So the movie takes place in Arkham Asylum. Joker is setting up, like he, he still wants to be a stand up comedian. So he starts this program like in the prison prison system where they have open mic nights and it's all about like him trying to bring comedy to the insane. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I guess I could see it or you could just take it a step further and have him put on a show for the inmates. And then the movie sort of like, uh, depicts a real world version of what that show would be. And then each of the sort of, it's like an anthology series. <laughs> oh, it's like vignettes. Yeah, each of the vignettes is like a totally different style and genre. I mean, maybe that would be interesting, but uh, I don't know, man. If it just if it has Arthur Fleck in it, I'm just I don't know if I'm on board. Yeah, um, I'd be interested to see what they would what they could cook up because I I'm with you on this. Like if if they were gonna make a sequel, I want to see it about his you know rise as the as the Joker and not uh, something else. But I don't know. Maybe maybe they could do it. Um, okay. Let's uh, talk about one last story. This is something that broke right before we were going to record the podcast. And this involves HBO Max is doing this Dune spinoff uh, series. Uh, you know, they're doing a Dune movie uh, at Warner Brothers. And John Spates was writing. He was going to be the showrunner on the spinoff series. And it seems like things have shaken up quite a bit. Chris, what do we know? Yeah, so the, the TV series, which is headed to HBO Max, 
is called Dune the Sisterhood. And John Spates, who co-wrote the Dune movie screenplay was and also wrote the script for the show, was set to serve as the showrunner. But according to this story, uh, Legendary TV was unhappy with the work he was doing on the show. So they they have essentially fired him. At the same time, they also want him to write the sequel, the Dune sequel, which hasn't been officially announced yet. So it's kind of weird. Like on one hand, they didn't like what he was doing with the TV show, but they're they're happy to have him work on the movie. I mean, you know, to be fair, movie and TV are completely different mediums, but still it's, it's let's little... give him a bigger budget and uh, more marketing <laughs> yes. money to, to lose us. Yeah. It's, it's an odd way of looking at it, but I get, you know, that's, that's the story as of now. That's so strange. Uh, do we know what the sisterhood is supposed to be about? Uh, the Dune Sisterhood is, um, quote, explores the future through the eyes of a mysterious order of women, the Ben Gesserit. Uh, given abilities by their mastery of the body and mind, the Ben Gesserit expertly weave through feudal politics and intrigue of the Imperium. You know, all that nerdy shit from Dune. <laughs> Okay. It's, it's basically I'm reading Dune right now, and the Bene Gesserit are like this this uh, group of women who essentially have like um like force powers for lack of a better term. That's like a, a pretty uh, basic way to put it, but they have like incredible control over their minds and bodies. They're able to sort of um uh I guess make people like they're able to read people's minds and sort of in, like almost incept them like pl implant thoughts in people and it's it's uh you know each major house in the dune world has a member of the Bene Gesserit there as like um almost like a weapon slash protection kind of person but they also are like uh interstellar concubines to some degree too so there's a, there's a lot going on there and the only thing i can think of with this news is maybe because they're all women hbo max was not thrilled with what john space was doing with that story and the the main dune story involved it is a very basic sort of um coming of age like luke skywalker-esque kind of story about this young kid who becomes you know, a, a major player in the world of the space politics in this in this universe. So maybe they feel that John Spates is better equipped to handle that story, and they want to theoretically pass off doing the Sisterhood to somebody who who has a voice that better matches that material. I don't know. That that maybe that's mm -hmm. too generous, but that could be what's going on here. Okay. Well, we're gonna have to see. Uh, you know, I think Warner. Like, do you think Warner Brothers is counting their chickens before they're hatched by? creating a spin-off show in addition to this movie franchise they're hoping is gonna launch with this film hmm i don't know this is it's one of those things that it's like what the dark tower was gonna do right chris like there, there's been talk for years and years yeah, but of... imagine if that went forward and what the dark tower actually was like i, I know it's gonna be something very different but i feel like i feel like they, they should wait and see how this movie does first nonsense what could go wrong <laughs> <laughs> okay that brings us to the end of today's slash film daily you can find more of all of our work at slash film.com you can find the links to the stories we mentioned on today's podcast in the show notes this podcast slash film daily is published every weekday on itunes google overcast spotify all the popular podcast apps please feel free to send your feedback questions comments concerns or suggestions for streaming services to peter at slash film.com and please rate and read this podcast on itunes tell your friends Spread the word. We'll see you tomorrow.